So what's funny about the Transformers Magic the Gathering cards is uh-huh. for legal reasons. So the 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 Magic the Gathering term for like cards that flip over that's called transforming a card. Oh, oh! When you say flip over, you don't mean you don't mean like tapping. You mean like that you literally flip them over. They're they're double sided cards that you can transform. Like you have a mm-hmm. werewolf guy on one side, and he turns into a big wolfy dude on the other side. Like yeah, that that's that's called transforming. Right. But for legal reasons, transformers can't transform. Um, <laughs> what? Beca- because then. <laughs> That would make Transformer a generic term, and it's a brand name. But so it's trans- also an electrical device that people use in all their city mm-hmm. power grids. <laughs> yes, I agree with you. But Transformers <laughs> Transformers do not transform. They simply, they are Transformers. Transformers convert. Right, right. They transform and roll out. Yes, but the act of turning a Transformer into another thing must be called converting so you're telling me well, even though it's I, I i guess i missed that mechanic in all my years of playing magic the the flip over um you're telling me that the most natural usage of the transformers license in magic the gathering is not using it you can't even use it <laughs> i love that they got the rights to transformers and they were like mm, we're not gonna let you do that though yeah who's saying <laughs> no like hasbro or whatever yeah, I guess, because Hasbro owns both Transformers and Magic, right? What yeah! the fuck? Wait, yeah, who's, say, who's who's the no in this company that's, like, down the hall going, can't do it? Well, like, it's because they need to preserve Transformers as a brand name. Oh, like, my God. They, I feel like wait, it's in the cards! I feel like we're approaching <laughs> humanity. I mean, we, we're probably already there, but I feel like humanity has, has, humanity has slowly approached a point <laughs> where we have created so many fake rules. Like, the yes. whole idea of, like, lost like companies like losing money and it's like we yeah. made it up it's all made up anyway where we lose it it's like like the p- people would joke like where did we who do we owe money to that uh, all that money to for the like the global debt it's like do we owe it to yeah. mars you know like i think we've created so many like this is this strikes me as the rules have gone too far i love how this i paul i agree with you entirely i love that magic's new shitty nuance over the term transformer has led to money's not real <laughs> It's the same thing. It's the same thing. So how how do the card are there is there any changing shape in the Transformers cards? Yeah, you flip them over. So on one side what they're What do you do the mechanic? Yeah, so on one side there are robot mans and oh on the other God. side there are car. Cool. You just can't say transform. You just can't that you're you're converting those cards. But if it was I a werewolf, it. if it was a werewolf, you could say transform this werewolf into the other side. Kevin, that makes no fucking sense. It really doesn't. Chad, you have the right of it. (laughs) (laughs) It almost, not to blame, anyway, it almost feels like someone on the magic side is like, the transform mechanic is for werewolves, not (laughs) car men. No, no, this is Hasbro legal that's getting in the way. Um, Of your own company? What are you doing? Well, so, Chad, do you remember uh, Nintendo had to, like, release, like, ads to be like, remember, Nintendo is not the name of game consoles. Like, this is a video game console. We uh-huh. are Nintendo. You don't call a game console a Nintendo. Oh, because uh-huh. the terminal, because everyone's parents were just like, I got you a Nintendo, and then they got, like, a Turbo Graphics. Right. Yeah, yeah. Because if if the common, like, accepted term becomes, like, the, the brand name, then you can't copyright that. Right. They don't want to get Kleenexed, is what, the, is what yeah, you're saying. Yeah, ex- exactly. It, but it's, it's like, already been established for decades! <laughs> Chad, I really didn't mean to deal this much psychic damage. I'm so bad. <laughs> so, 
So anyway, just yeah, there's a Transformers, a, a Transformers robots colon robots in disguise. Yeah, special line of right. Magic the Gathering cards that mm-hmm. I am kind of like. That's pretty cool. I check those out, even though it probably sounds like most Magic people are like, it's not, it's not. It breaks the world, right? I don't know. Does it? Oh well, I mean, Magic already has like uh, a, a plane where humans don't exist, and elves are oh, beauty are, are beauty queens uh, who kill anything that's ugly. And it oh, also boy. has like a plane where everything's robots, and it also has like a plane where um, uh, witches bake people into pies. Uh, so like, I'm sorry, is that specifically just that's the one detail of that plane is just like witches eat children? It's like a fairy tale set, but there are food oh, tokens. Okay. I love, I love that set so much. <laughs> There's a card that I love called Bake into a Pie, and it uh, <laughs> kills a creature and makes you a food token. Oh, I love that. That sounds like a great set. So just there's another plane that's just robots in disguise. Yeah, so you can bake a robot into a pie and eat it in magic. So, like, flavor concerns are kind of out the window, I guess. (laughs) There's also a plane that's just, like, cars in, like, a World's Fair type setting, but also it's India. It's crazy. By flavor concerns, do you mean the flavor of the pie or the the, the fantastical flavor? Okay. Oh, the text. (laughs) Well, who would be the tastiest Transformer? Gonna go all in on Rat Guy from Beast Wars. You mean Rat Trap? No, I mean Rat Guy. Kevin? His name is Rat Trap. <laughs> <laughs> Why would he be called Rat Trap? Does he set traps? What? I mean, it's... <sighs> Why is... Uh... Hold on, let me come back to you on this. Before we get into the semantics of Rat Trap, I would like to say, uh, I believe Mountain Dewbot from the first Robo Transformers movie by Michael Bay would be the tastiest. Uh, I... Oh, oh that's right, shit. there was a Mountain Dew Bot. That one was great. I need a Mountain Dew Pie. Wait, is he like a Mountain Dew vending machine yeah, that turns yeah, into a robot? Yeah. Kevin, did you not see Uncle Bay's Transformers 1? No, I've only seen 12 movies. <laughs> <laughs> and about seven of those movies are Mystery Men, so. <laughs> <laughs> Just over and over, you counted them as different experiences. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah, I, Paul, I was always bothered by that scene in Transformers 1 because, as we all know, the beats of that movie very well. Yes. Mm. Uh Sam Witwicky is being chased with the Allspark, and the Allspark is, like, getting, uh, I don't know, like, slammed into the ground and basically, like, birthing life immediately out of normal metal. So, like, the Allspark hits a Mountain Dew machine, and then suddenly mm. Mountain Dew Bot is born, and it just starts firing supercharged cans at people. And mm-hmm. I thought that was always kind of a problem because it's like, well, you're just saying that the Transformers are born evil? Like, Damn. the whole point of it is supposed to be that you're born proto, and then you kind of get to, you know, go in different sides of Autobot or Decepticon, but they were just auto-Decepticons, and that sounded, that seemed really murky. So you're 100% on the nurture side of Transformers. It's all nurture. Yeah. Nurture. Yeah, I mean, <laughs> I, I just felt weird that they all just were, like, auto-coming out evil. You know, they're just all, like, I just can't kill humans, and so, like, all right, maybe it's just- Maybe there's something bad here going on. <laughs> maybe the, well, maybe these Transformers are bad dudes. Do you, do you remember Oreobot in like the fourth or fifth Transformers I movie? Did, I did not get that far. <laughs> Why didn't we bring up Oreobot when we were talking about tasty Transformers? I don't eat? consider Oreobot a canon Transformer, if you ask me, but... <laughs> not like Mountain Dewbot. Is Dewbot a canon Transformer in your eyes? Uh, I mean, I would consider everyone that was made suddenly in the Battle of New York or whatever, or Vegas or whatever city that was in Transformers 1. Yes. Those are all abominations need to be sent straight to the okay. fire. Okay, I'm fine with that. I don't, <laughs> I mean, I don't have strong enough opinions that I, I concur. Uh, there is a Mountain Dew Pie recipe online with a Doritos crust. There it is. So I, we, well, I'm going to stick by it. That is officially the most delicious Transformer. 
to bake into a pie. Mm -hmm. You need rat trap out of all the animals? (laughs) Yeah. Why the rat? I don't know. Seems like he's got a good vibe. Well, I need rat guy. (laughs) I don't know if I need rat trap. All right. This is weird. I was going to say I need... I don't know if I want to put this on the podcast. No, do it. I need black arachnia's boobs. Okay, Chad. You that love just seems that like good one. flush meat is all I'm saying. Chad. Not in a sexual way, purely in a survival. Like the fact that she was designed with like thick breast meat, probably delicious. I don't Chad, know that that's I don't know. I don't know if that's meat. I think it's all all metal. Well, no, we're using the the, car, the this is all they're going through the Magic of the Gathering card baked into a pie, so it, they're all going through a transmogrification okay. into flesh. Sure, sure, sure. Okay, that's edible fair. flesh. Yeah, okay, that's tinged with the flavor. So she's going to be filled with poison. No, what? That's a poison. Is it baked into the pie poison? That's a poison pie. You tell me a spider's boobs wouldn't be poison, Chad. <sighs> Would she have venom in the boobs? Yes. Coursing through her entire probably. spider body. Oh, she probably has like acid spit in her boobs. Like in her her name's Spider Trap or whatever. Of course she's got <laughs> Black <push>. arachnia. <laughs> There's a whole lot of this conversation I can't use in the podcast. <laughs> <laughs> I, all right, here's an alternate. I would eat. Okay. I think I'd still eat black arachnia. I like that you, we just decided that she's poisonous and you still went back to her. It's like when you eat, what's that type of fish that we have to like have it prepared by a certain type of chef? And like, yeah, it's eat. a blow, it's a blowfish. Fugu, yeah. yeah. It'd be like eating black arachnia would be like, oh, okay, well, you know, if it was prepared correctly, it'll be worth the delicate dance of danger. You like the thrill. Chad, I feel like I approached your question with, uh, with grace and, and curiosity. <laughs> and equanimity. <laughs> rat guy and you were just like i'm hungry for some robot boob meat (laughs) i think you know what i think air razor would be delicious thank you finally a cultured response (laughs) oh no no uh tiger tiger hawk when she fuses with uh tiger tron tiger bot and then they fuse and the aliens fuse them into one super bot i i would eat that i don't know why the prospect of chad eating a female robot is so troubling to me yeah i think it's it's all hypothetical kevin i'm looking at air razor and that looks like some stringy meat chad that's what i'm saying is you combine air razor with tiger tron into tiger tiger hawk or whatever okay and that's like a real thick animal robot you okay get some good meat on the it'd be like a turducken where you're getting multiple types of meat <laughs> really all the fusors would be great welcome to goosebuds <laughs> welcome to goosebuds the podcast where we give ya books specifically those of rl stein the hard-hitting critique they deserve i'm one of your hosts chad quant i'm paul ritchie i'm another one of your hosts kevin cole and yeah, we read The Mummy Walks, a Goosebumps 2000 book written by R.L. Stein From the year 2000. Look how professional we are today, giving our full names. I'm balancing out eating the breast meat, which is totally going to make it into the edit. <laughs> I was really thrown by having to give my last name. I felt like I was in trouble. <laughs> <laughs> I felt like I was given a PowerPoint presentation. I found that this podcast has come up in interviews for potential jobs in the future. So I'm just like, you know what? Let's just really... Keep it professional. on it. Keep yeah. it profe- after after the boob eating talk. Let's keep it real professional. Yeah. yeah, let's keep it real. You're like, you know what? Thick robot breast meat is a phrase that I will have on my tombstone. <laughs> Put it on my LinkedIn. <laughs> Died of thick robot breast meat. No regrets. <laughs> <laughs> the Mummy Walks. Uh, it came out April 1999. Uh, yep. We're still in a. <laughs> This, no, this is important. It's important for us to, to have these dates, Chad. Yeah. Because we yes, when yes, was des- when was Desert Storm? 
No, you're right. There's a lot of political connection, like history to understand. Oh, in this for book. sure, for sure. I just I am waiting for we. They're gonna pass the Rubicon of books published after 9-11, and we, we are not there yet. You know what I mean? No, we're so close. We're so close to crossing that, the, yeah, the Rubicon of innocence. I want to see what, what changes when we pass that. The last Goosebumps 2000 was January of 2000, so we, I don't even know what the next series is after that. We're not even going to get to a post-9-11 book for a while. Are you telling me Goose? I didn't consider that all of Goosebumps. I mean, there's more Goosebumps branded stuff, but yeah. Goosebumps, Goosebumps 2000 is all pre 9/11. Yep, Goosebumps huh. and Goosebumps 2000. Yep. After uh, 9/11, kids weren't allowed to feel fear anymore. <laughs> <laughs> it was unpatriotic. We were already too scared of everything. Um, <laughs> it looks like our next book series will be the Horrorland series. Those began in 2008, mm. so they will be. Fully steeped in post 9-11 American paranoia. It was a real horror land in America. It really said, was. Are you kidding me? Oh, the Bush administration giving full carte blanche to do whatever they want. People getting rebates for cars. That's going to be in there. <laughs> I know uh, I know it's a little late to, to talk about this considering the time of year, but yeah. I, I was just thinking about how I was probably like the last kid to a- actually have like an authentic American Halloween experience. How so? What, what do you mean? On? Go on. Because after after nine eleven, that's when you start getting trucker treats and like the the fracturing of American society uh-huh. even more, and like you don't like kids don't go out trick or treating anymore. Like all my friends are like like brought their uh, Halloween candy to Space Kings, being like, we don't got any kids <laughs> in our neighborhood. Wait, are you telling me that post nine eleven, I just that we didn't trust in Halloween anymore? We were like, oh, the terrorists are going to get your kids out on the neighbors. <laughs> We didn't trust an outside fun anymore. <laughs> <laughs> outside fun has been dwindling. I will agree. Yeah. I, I, we still get a lot of people, but we have to stay outside in order to. Oh, yeah. We can't. You, no longer do children approach doors and knock on them, at least in our neighborhood, and ask for candy. You have to sit on your stoop and advertise that you have candy to children. Huh. I guess that's just so you're not like no one's just getting like pulled into a door. I don't even know if it's that. I think it's just people hide. People hide and they don't like to go out and they, they avoid <laughs> giving out candy. There are people so who... It's funny. It just makes me laugh to say, people hide. <laughs> people hide. People, I, I can could, I could one-up you with even less of the... More of the magic being gone. I mean, in my area, Burbank, yeah. in California, you know, we had like 10 people come by our house last, last year. Mm-hmm. Uh, this year, I saw more and more the thing to do was just a public park Everyone parks their cars, their trunk minivans. The trunk or treat. Yeah, trunk or treat. Trunk or treat. That just seems to be the new thing of like, and then you just have a very safe parking lot to kind of like, everyone's almost like, yeah, it's like a it's like a grill out or something. <laughs> you just go car to car and get your candy. That's like an imagined fear. Like there weren't any razor plates in candy. <laughs> right, like right. Like, yeah, it's just people don't trust their neighbors anymore. They only trust who goes to church with them. I don't. Damn, Kevin getting real. This is a real episode. Yeah, I know we tricked we tricked people by putting the break a little earlier, but it's still it's still banter time. I'm still getting my thoughts out. Uh, I I would say I, I I don't have any kids, so I can't really completely judge. But it sure seems like truck or treat is. I don't see the point. I don't know. Like at that point, just buy your kids some candy. I don't know if yeah. going a parking block, o- like a parking space over, and I don't know. It <laughs> doesn't even feel like a, 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 a an event. You don't want to not participate in a church activity. 
You think the churches are even doing? They're probably doing some truck or treat. They are. The, <laughs> pro- the Protestant churches are doing it. Yeah. It's yeah. it's where it's happening for sure. So you know what's scary? What's that? Middle Eastern politics. <laughs> I okay, so I had to look it up. Uh, this place, this book takes place, and we'll get to it eventually. A, a country called Jezekiah, not a real country. Just had to make sure. <laughs> Double check. Are we calling it Jezekiah? I thought it was Jezekiah. Jezekiah. <laughs> the names in this book are wild. It's named after a, a Jewish king, I believe. Ooh, a king of Judea, Hezekiah. Yeah. I believe is what we're going for here. Yeah, this is somehow both Egypt. This is somehow both Egyptian and and Israel. I don't know. Like, it's a weird country. I mean, they're close. They are very close countries. So I mean, you can you can see a little overlap. There, there's also kind of like a South American like uh, tin pot dictator style thing going on. Here. Oh, for sure. Like, for sure. Should we should we should we get into it to kind of paint this picture a little bit? This is this is one of the craziest books I think I've ever read in Goosebuds. It is a sci-fi political thriller. It's like more of a scanner than it is <laughs> yes! a horror movie. It's Carl Stein's Jack Reacher. Yes. This is a weird one to come across because okay, the last thing we did was it, it came from the internet, which was so blatantly anti-technology, not understanding <laughs> technology. And this one's like light cyberpunk. Right. <laughs> Cyberpunk to it. No, it, it is. Uh, it, the last one we yeah. actually did was Scream School, which also had some techie stuff going on in it. But this the is the definitely- takedown of the Hollywood industry. Right, right. And it also Scream School wasn't really a horror. Like there, there it wasn't really a horror book. Like there was no, no. supernatural element to it. Though, no. like, it. It had a different vibe from the rest of the Goosebumps catalog. And same with this one. Yeah. The horror is this, the humans around us in this one. <laughs> this book has a cover with a mummy stepping out with his big wiki feet toes coming at you. That mummy is not in this fucking book. No, that's just a picture of Megan. <laughs> <laughs> you can see through the claws. That's, a, that's an undead man. No, that's just Megan. That's just Megan. She did some good makeup for that. Megan's a cosplayer. Okay, we should we should why don't we talk about who our characters are, including Megan. We'll get to Megan. The duality of Megan. All right. So to start it off, we have uh his name is Michael Clark. Uh and we mm-hmm. we kicked this thing right off at JFK Airport. <laughs> we're we're at we're 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 putting Michael on the plane. His parents are like, kid, you're gonna ha- you you're gonna make it. You're gonna survive. And he's like, I'm fine. And they're like, Don't worry, this will just just flying on a plane. Guys, I get it. I'm totally good. And they're like crying and telling him, you're not going to die on this plane. Okay, Michael? (laughs) (laughs) Also, the security checkpoints are so much easier to get through. Just uh, the frustration of left some dad left some keys in his pocket. Oh, got to got to go through the metal detector again. He 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 walks through, sets off the uh, metal detector, and rolls his eyes. Not like today where he would have been immediately accosted (laughs) and taken into a small room. Yeah. Not like today where I'm like, hey, do I have to take my sweater off? And then a TSA agent just yells at me. Yeah. <laughs> move! Move! The the walking through the metal detector thing is important. Uh, it is. It's, it, it's important that Michael doesn't set it off. Um, yeah! I like that we get a little bit of uh, information on, on Michael that, like, you know, he likes marine biology. Like, he likes sea stuff. He's excited to go to Orlando to meet his aunt. He's going to go to Sea Camp, to go to Sea World, which we didn't know yet was a terrible torture place for, for animals. <laughs> right. Uh, yep. No, no. <laughs> so it is an innocent book. It's a, this is a pre 9 11, pre Blackfish book, okay? <laughs> <laughs> The first chapter is actually pretty fucking raw. Like, it's awesome as shit. Right, right. Because to, to sum it up, they put him on the plane. He's going to visit, seemingly going to go visit his aunt in Orlando. 
and he gets on the plane. Nobody else shows up. He has a first class fucking seat on this plane, yeah, by see, the way. What the fuck? I was like, yeah, what a yeah. fucking waste. You can't even drink all the free wine, you idiots. Like, that's our no <laughs> point. <laughs> Maybe they just give kids free pudding or something. He said something about chocolate sundaes, but he didn't even give them that. Idiots. Yeah, Anyways, he gets in his first class seat. Nobody shows up. The plane closes and takes off without him even knowing. And he finds a note that says, we are not your parents in his in yep. his book. Real fucked up and a cool cliffhanger to end the no, first chapter. No yeah. other, I, at first, it was like, oh, well, that's this cover page. And then he's going to turn. It's going to be more elaboration. Nope. Just we are not your parents. Yep. Yeah. Everyone has like the very like goosebump specific adult brain damage in this one where mm-hmm. they do not explain themselves fully <laughs> at all. No. Well, the great thing is like in this scene that's coming up, a, the, a, a guard comes out of the plane cockpit and mm-hmm. He knows that something is going on, Michael, and tr- and asks him about it. And he's like, don't worry, we'll tell you later. And they have like a 12-hour flight. And he could have told him at any point during that flight. But the same thing you're saying, Kevin, to just don't bother with it. He has a full sleep. I also loved that part where he's like realizing that there's no one else on the plane. And as opposed to me going, hot dog, all the space I want. He's like, yeah. I'm on the wrong plane. It starts pounding on the pilot door again, pre nine eleven. Not to just keep <laughs> reflected on this, but just the the in, it's so interesting on the specific things called out. He's like, "Why would a pilot ever need to lock themselves on the inside of the cockpit?" I'm like, <laughs> "Oh my god, RL." Right? It's just like it, I'm telling you, we gotta pass that Rubicon. I want to see what happens. <laughs> <laughs> um, I I actually like how um, I, I don't know. Michael seems really close to like what I imagine R.L. Stein to be like. Okay. Uh, just sort of like <laughs> this bundle of anxiety, this constant like inner monologue, like mm-hmm. every every wrong turn is going to result in his death and he's just obsessing over it the whole time. And he's kind of right. Yeah. yeah. He's kind of right. Michael's a really interesting character in that like, I guess he doesn't have much personality other than anxiety. He almost <laughs> felt like we were, this felt like I was reading a give yourself goosebumps. Uh-huh. No, no, uh, no, yeah, I totally no, get what you're saying. I felt that too. He's just kind of making like wild choices and and just sort of, it felt like there was two little men inside his brain, left brain, right brain, just making page choices. And he was just like, all right, I'm going to run. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And and that's like how I knew that this was RL writing this one. Like this, that like this uh, this was almost like too compelling in the beginning, and I was like, either he's going to torpedo it somehow and make it like not a big deal, or uh, it's like, oh, I forgot that those actually aren't my parents. That makes sense. Like, <laughs> I, I thought he was going to either torpedo the tension, yep, and then I'd be like, all right, this is definitely our, or it was a ghostwriter. But the fact that it did feel very much like a give yourself goosebumps uh, with like the what should I do? Like there are so many choices. Should I sneak out? Should I stay? Like right. It it it, it felt. I I think I think if I think this is RL, and especially the the main character being. Like anxiety as his only personality trait. <laughs> right. I don't know if this is RL as much as I, I don't know if I'm 100% set on it being RL, but it definitely felt like a a self insert character for you, mm. the young kid reading this, to be like, because this whole thing is is almost a fantasy. Yeah. Yeah. Maybe we can apply to explain part of this wish fulfillment. It is just, hey, I mean, yes, you're being kidnapped, but the pilot that steps out of the cockpit and calls Michael his excellency. Starts to inform him that, uh, yeah, they are not flying to Orlando, no Sea World. They are actually flying to the small Middle Eastern nation of Jezekiah, mm. uh, 
I really think it's Jezekiah, but I'll I'll, I'll allow Jezekiah. It's Jekazia. Oh my God, it is Jekazia. Oh my goodness. It is J-E-K-E-Z-I-A-H. What? All right, so I have to call it the Goosebumps Wiki because uh, usually they're pretty good, but for the Mummy Walks, they listed the name of the location as Jekazia. It's not. In the books, it's Jezekia. I'm looking at the text in the book right now, and it's Jezekia. And on the wiki, they say Jekazia. So, um, yeah, if you uh, if you edit the Goosebumps wiki at all, um, maybe swap the K and the Z around in Jezekia, because uh, it's, uh, it's wrong. And we say Jekazia for the entire podcast. So, sorry, bye. I don't think a lot of thought was put into these names because the the capital city of it is ramen. I yeah. thought, yeah, right, right. He was just like sitting at the ramen shop in New York while writing this. <laughs> what's a what's well, yeah? He goes into the exotic imports aisle and he's like, mm-hmm. "That's the name." And okay, um, that you are going to a yeah, it's a a country that is does not exist, uh, but in this world it does. Michael doesn't seem to be super familiar with it. It's mm-hmm. not like I don't think he had learned about him before. Uh and that Michael is the crown prince of a long lost former royalty. It's a very complicated story. But and it but it's also like a little bit of that wish fulfillment, like you said, like like maybe I am special. You know, like yeah. it's like it's given that <laughs> yeah. kid that like maybe oh I knew I was special this whole time. And that's that's what RL loves the most is being like, all right, you're special, but in the worst way possible. <laughs> right. Like, you wanted to be special? Here you go, idiot. Here, it fucking sucks, well, kid. Yeah, these, fir- these first couple chapters especially, and I think we can I think we can kind of get into that Michael, you know, he lands there and he's driven in, in military cars to the to the capital city of Ramen. It's Ramen with an extra N. Yep. Oh, I, I did want to bring something up about the plane. I'm sorry to, to cut you off on, on this. Pr- uh, just something that it, it actually reminds me of something that Kevin said. So uh, this is something I think that RL drops a lot where he, where a person drops into a deep and dreamless sleep, which I think is like <laughs> such a boring and pointless thing to say that someone does. It's a narrative fade to black. It's you know? a narrative fade to black. Kevin, yeah. it, Kevin, you said this thing to me many, many, many years ago, which is when writing stuff, your philosophy is never to th- make a thing almost happen. The thing should happen. Yeah. It, a thing should always happen. So like a dreamless sleep is a thing, like a dream almost happened, but it didn't happen. <laughs> if you're going to... If you're gonna if you're gonna dream, if you're gonna mention dreams, fucking make them dream and have something cool happen. Why not follow the wish fulfillment of like? So I spent uh, fourteen hours on the plane alone. I watched every movie. I ran up and down the aisles. I ate all the food. It was a real Home Alone. This like, I was just gonna say. This is a post. This is a post Home Alone book, and he could have had a more Home Alone <laughs> moment. He could have been eating a big old Sunday. Because he talked about Sundays while watching the the, the the filthy animal movie, and he could have been having a great time. Paul, thank you for bringing up my uh, don't make something almost happen rule. You're welcome. I, I love that you remember that. My, one of my other rules is don't skip lunch. Uh-huh. In general or in storytelling? In storytelling. And I do like that there are all these like meals described, but they yes. could have gone a little deeper in it. I don't know if this is skipping too far ahead, but when, they, when he finally gets to the palace mm-hmm. and he sits down and he has like dates and a and like a sweet and spicy paste like it's mm. like a like he's eating like just like hummus or something it sounds good whatever it is it oh did they actually good. call out that food because uh the next meal he has i remember thinking like you did that rl didn't even think about it because like i had for breakfast he had orange juice and toast i'm like is that the 
standard breakfast of a of the world. Jekazian. Jek- <laughs> I, I don't know. His name's like Lieutenant Henry alongside names like General Ramirez. Like yeah. this is kind of like a weird, like kind of white foreign land. I know. There's, there's something. Yeah. There's something. Let's even think about the fact that the reveal that Michael Clark. Yep. Is the secret prince of the former royal family. Right. Yeah. I, I mean, really, like, he didn't... I, I, the whole time I was reading this book, I was like, this looks like a white ginger kid in my mind. Not not someone who's a descendant of a Middle Eastern royalty. I don't know if he's described... I know that Megan is described as having reddish hair. I, th- I can't remember... Oh, no, what- just the way he, just the way he, he acts and, like, is dis- the story talks about him. is like, I don't... This feels like a very white kid. It I mean, just- this kid was this kid was raised in America too. So I mean, he's just like an American kid. He has no mm-hmm. no cultural connection to this country whatsoever. Sure, it's like in the Princess Diaries when Anne Hathaway is like, "You're part of a long lost royalty of an Eastern European country." I'm like, "Sure, fine. Okay, she could probably pull that off." He he does. Rarell does say that Michael uh, is is shorter and has dark hair, where his parents have blonde hair. Okay. So. Oh no, you're right. Okay. Then actually, I I'm glad they cl- clocked it because before that it was kind of distracting me the whole time. But I think that comes from the give yourself goosebumps vibe because like he is sort of blank slady enough that you could just insert yourself in there as right. like the anxious ginger character that you're imagining. Yeah, Jeff. I guess me, a kid, the guy who looked like Mikey from Recess, could totally be the prince <laughs> right. of Jekaziah. Right. Like, sure. And and Kevin, to your to your point that you typically make, uh, we're never told what clothes he's wearing, so we really have never gotten a good picture <laughs> of, who, of who this kid is. We're told endlessly what clothes Megan's wearing, which I'm kind of like, come on. Lieutenant Henry's like beard is described. Yeah. As, I don't know why we need to know. <laughs> right. So one of the problems I have with this is the mic. It's not really a problem. It's just one of the things that my brain keeps getting stuck on is the microchip in Michael's yes. brain. Oh right. my god! Okay, yes. Let's let's get to the microchip. You know what? Before we get to that, we should probably lay out what is happening here, right? So he's brought in to the country uh, yeah. in a private flight, and he's he's brought yeah. in, and he's re- it is revealed that he is that his parents are not his parents. This country yes. of Je- uh, Jekaziah has been in a has had a rebellion going on for 12 years since he was born. Mm-hmm. Uh he yeah. was sent away and hidden away in the uh, United States to hide from the rebel forces. Uh and when they sent him away, they implanted a chip in oh his brain <laughs> which contained the location of the national mummy, <laughs> which <laughs> <Yeah>. is <laughs> which is smart because when you're born, you ha- your your skull isn't fully connected, so you can just kind of <laughs> Yeah, they just they just slipped it. They just okay. slipped one into the soft spot, so, you know. Okay. Yeah, yeah. So, they just like tucked it into the fontanelle, you know. <laughs> just pushing it, just pushing it into fondant, just like boop. Uh-huh. Didn't even have to do surgery. Just pushing it into your child's head. It's like making a. It's like making a bun, like a steam bun. You just stick it in there early, and then you just wrap it back up. The other thing is, if this is set in 1999, this is a 1987 memory chip that's being shoved into a child's <laughs> brain. Like the size of a pizza. Like it should be huge, dude. The the best thing too is like. Nobody in this book understands what a computer chip does. Like nobody <laughs> knows how to properly utilize a computer chip. What What do they mean a memory chip? Like it's got like a GP. They don't even have GPS. I don't think at this point in the in, this, in the world. Like what does it have? Just like a, is it a text file that says it's in this case? Well, according to, to to Kevin's point earlier about this being a cyberpunk book, apparently it's fucking <laughs> wetware because it interfaces with this child's memory. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> That's really cool. I, I think we could have like maybe skipped over a bunch of like racism if we just made this a sci-fi story. Like, uh-huh. if- oh, the the whole mid- yes, 
the whole Middle Eastern mummy thing of it, it's it's like tacked onto this story. It's so weird because it's uh or make them the- aliens or something. Like that would bring back the <laughs> horror. But like making them just like a foreign, like kind of brown nation is like I don't know. This it's got a bad vibe to it sometimes. No, there's, for sure. Oh, no, there's there's multiple times I was real. But let's talk about can I talk about the shell game that's going on of and this is actually gone to the palace. Uh, Michael has met now are both uh, an antagonist slash best friend, General Ramir, mm-hmm. yep. uh, who is the acting military leader of Jekaziah, and that like he's fighting for the crown after uh, his his parents, uh, Michael's parents had had gone, uh, had been murdered. They're dead. He looks at them uh, and says, your parents are dead. And it's like, what? Your, your real par- <laughs> what? My parents? Like, no, those aren't your real parents. Remember the letter. Your your birth parents, they were the best. They were leaders of this. Cr- Listen, crown royal, crown royal rulers are always great. Um, there's no corruption whatsoever. But they actually had a super emerald jewel. Let's let's call it a chaos emerald. It's a chaos emerald and, for sure. Well, it's, it's a sapphire. I just want to. Alright, it's a chaos it's, sapphire. I do love. I do love the word sapphire because it does have a double p p h in it. Can we call it a master version. sapphire? Yes, yes, we can. We can absolutely. The call master, it a master sapphire, sapphire is is such a valuable gem. Yes, that their entire economy is based on the value of this one gem. This is striking me as a Transformers transforming situation here, where they're <laughs> they're they're building a lot of rules around the Master Sapphire, and they really should not be. Well, talk about how like money is not real. They're like our entire economy is based on this gem that is both missing. They're like, did the public does the public not know this? Because uh, that would destroy the value of the dollar. Right. I think. Uh-huh, uh-huh. Um, <laughs> The Jekazayan ruby, or whatever they call it. Uh, but also that the <laughs> they hid the, the Master Sapphire by yes. placing it in this legendary ancient mummy that mm-hmm. I think was em- uh, Emperor... Yeah, Pukra. Pukra. I think the book goes out of its way to explain that, yes, like Egyptian mummies, but also Jekaziah did it first. <laughs> Wait, did, did they, they say that? Did they make the yeah, claim? The book did they make the that Pukro was before Egyptian mummies? And I thought that was offensive to me. I <laughs> did not even see that, but that's cool that they made that claim. <laughs> <laughs> not only is this not Egypt, Egypt's imposters, and they were borrowing our mummy idea. I guess it wouldn't be about a mummy anymore. Like you'd have to find some other thing to be about. But if they were just like aliens, if he was going to space, if like if like he was really a secret like space kid or something, yeah. Well, like, you just look like a human. I like, mean, be. it could have been anything though. That and, and like not to jump too far ahead, but like the mummy aspect of this is nothing to this story. No, they keep <laughs> saying we gotta find the mummy, but that's code for we have to find the sapphire that's inside the mummy. Right. A sapphire doesn't make for a good cover that says "one small step for sapphire" on it. You know what I mean? Like you can't. <laughs> You can't have a good pun like that, so... What does one small step for mummy even mean? Is it play on one small step for man? Don't. You just replace one M word with another M word? Don't question it. God, this book. I mean, a space mummy would be tight as hell. We all agree. Oh, fucking oh, my God. shit, yeah. Oh, man, remember Space Vampire? How good that book was? That was a cool oh, book. Space vamp- space, vamp- space mummy would be good. So, yeah, man. So, yeah. Uh, I <laughs> the, the mummy's like a shell game. It's a... The mummy is the briefcase... From <laughs> from Pulp Fiction, but what you really care about is the golden light inside the briefcase, not the briefcase itself. Mm-hmm. The mummy yes. also has like incredible like 
spiritual significance to Jekaziah, where like whoever controls the mummy like is the rightful leader, and if the mummy's right. walking around, if the mummy walks, then the the whole the whole country's cursed. Right. So they're, yeah, they're like the mummy. The mummy would rise up on anyone who's not morally okay i guess right um, yeah which is cool and a creepy concept but uh never even bears out in the story at all when there's yeah. a perfect chance for it at the end which we will get to but they don't do it so so they're really like we need you michael who has mm-hmm. been told none of this really prep time could have helped you a lot in this entire mission yeah of you need to tell us where using your wetware, where the mummy slash sapphire is located, so that we can restore control. And I guess that'll just really demoralize the rebels so much they'll just stop their whole thing. Right. You know. Right. So don't don't question why there's rebels. Don't even ask them. Well, what he they tells want. he tells them this entire thing over a luxurious dinner that they're mm. that they're eating out of, and drinking out of crystal goblets. So. Uh, <laughs> I think this is kind of an are we the baddies moment, but I don't yeah, know that Michael yeah. has picked up on that yet. No, Michael's just like, oh, a system. I want to belong. Um, <laughs> I'm 12. I need to belong. <laughs> well, also, yeah, I'll be crown prince to this established kingdom. I, that sounds I great. guess I'll be prince then. Um, <laughs> yeah. One thing I would have liked to see would be more widespread use of memory chip technology. Like somebody being like, what was I supposed to get for groceries today? And then like shoving it <laughs> into their <laughs> Ramir, Ramir orders the dinner for them, and then basically the waiter in the palace is like, "Don't worry, I don't need to write it down because I also have a memory chip." We have uh, <laughs> we have Chef Gordon Ramsay on our memory chips in the <laughs> in the what kitchen does it today. Even mean? There's just a memory chip implanted in his skull. Like it's cr- it's crazy. It, I love the, it. the best part is that is how each person reacts to the memory chip, which is great too. Which we'll get to uh, yeah, as we go through so, this. So General Ramir, to cover some plot, General <laughs> Ramir says, okay, tell me where the mummy is. And uh, uh, Michael falls out of his chair and he's like, I need uh, I need to rest for a bit because I don't know where the mummy, I don't know where the mummy is. Like, mm-hmm. I don't know. Like, I don't fucking yeah. know. I don't remember. And he, and he doesn't say he doesn't remember because he like, he's like, I don't know. I don't want to disappoint this guy. Um, so uh, he goes to his room uh, where he's put under guard. Um, which is which he finds suspicious, mm-hmm. and he's like, "I can't even leave. This place sucks. I hate it." And then Megan shows up, and she's like, "Hi, I'm Megan." He's like, "What the? F- what Hi, the I fuck have another American doing? named white girl that's uh, yeah. hanging out with you in this country that is is supposed to be in, I guess, the Middle East." Well, yeah, no, yeah. she she for whatever reason, it's almost like they he it really feels a lot of times like the book was written in train of thought, and then he kind of. Painted himself back in where he's like, right. My name's Megan. Oh, my parents were American advisors to the Jekazian crowd. That's why I'm American. But to make me relatable to you, they are also dead, like your parents. Yeah. <laughs> so Ramir, General Ramir has made, like, it basically adopted her. Uh, and there is a, a very loving worry towards her from General Ramir. Right. And she kind of goes back and forth on whether or not Ramir likes her or not. And honestly, and when we get to the end of this story, it'll be fully understandable why she did not need, other than making her relatable to Michael, like making like them be able to relate to each other, I guess, there is literally no need. It would have been better if she was his actual daughter the whole time. Sure. <sighs> sure. Yeah. I guess yeah. I guess only the only thing it does her not being his actual daughter is it makes her a little bit more uh, trust like trustworthy with Michael, right? I I yeah I think what we've been all kind of circling around even if Michael is actually of Jekazian 
uh, you know, ethnicity, a fake country. Mm-hmm. It, this is a story about like Westerners in a foreign land having all the power. Does right. that make yeah. sense? Like, there, there's something kind of off about that. Well, this is like f- uh, places that are in America are dangerous. Like, right. <laughs> And it's about to get real dangerous up in this shit. It's about to get real Jason Bourne. Um, so so uh, Megan's like, uh, I hope you remember where the thing is. Otherwise, you know, my dad's going to torture you and maybe kill you. And he's like, yeah. Uh, my, she, she also says, my dad's a really bad man. These are evil men. I hate my I hate my adopted dad. Right. How does she get caught? Does she uh, just like run I out? think they I think she's in there she snuck in and then the guards come in and catch her that at night. They, I think they might they might try to leave together or something. They do something. Guards catch her, they put him back. Yeah. Um he tries to escape through a window later, is caught again. Oh, ooh, ooh, we talk about the telephone. Yeah, because he, he that's this big thing when I mean, he gets caught is he tries to just he tries to climb out, like parkour out the palace. Oh yeah, before he tries to climb out, he tries to call his parents. The best thing is the guard <laughs> that is his uh uh what's the word for the person operator his yeah his operator is he's like I'm your operator and he's like well who would you like to call and he try he was like I'd like to call my parents no I can't I'm sorry I can't do that okay uh can I call my aunt in Orlando no I'm sorry you can't do that well can I call anybody no you're not allowed to make calls I could have told you that right at the beginning of this conversation right? but instead I decided to let you have some false hope for a little bit. <laughs> <laughs> Why, and then why did you let him just try random requests until you said so <laughs> why is the operator even there because it's not it's not the operator's place to t- to just outwardly tell his excellency what he can't do that's true it's like it's it's like he can't be like hi i'm your operator i have no use so you should probably see that fx should be fired or don't not. fire me <laughs> well, paul i also had that though like why are we even having this conversation in the book this is going nowhere like just say the phone lines are turned off or he's not allowed to make a call page count baby <laughs> after his failed escape uh he's sent to like uh general ramirez dungeon yep where he looks at a map and he's like uh, I don't know. I don't know where it is. And he's like, okay, we'll just cut open your brain and find out. <laughs> wait, 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 I want to I add, because I think Ramir, Ramir's really f- an interesting character in this. Okay. Is he? Right? <laughs> I think so, because he's he's played, he's, he's talked up in a more threatening way than he actually maybe is, in that, like, after Michael gets caught, uh, Jason boarding his way outside of the his palace, he gets caught by Ramir, and mm-hmm. you think Ramir's going to be so mad at him. He's like, that's the type of moxie our prince needs. You're going to be a great leader. I love it because that happens. And throughout this entire book, basically every time Michael tries to disobey people, he bit, he pretty much gets rewarded for it. Almost every yeah. single time someone finds him and is like, that was great, Michael. Keep being wrong all the time. Probably how a real royal works. Yes. Yes. I also think like the threat of, I was just really trying to follow like, is Ramir on his side or not? Because mm-hmm. um, he's been brought out this whole way and clearly like, Michael's original, you know, or his adopted parents have been like ordered by Ramir to bring him out here to this country. And and Megan had said, yeah, if you can't answer using your wetware where the cave or, you know, where the mummy's hidden, mm-hmm. they're going to kill you or they'll just take it out of your skull and kill you. And there's one moment in the part you're talking about, Kevin, of like <laughs> Ramir's like, look at all of these maps of caves. Quick, cross interface. Tell me which one he's in. Mm-hmm. That when Michael kind of just picks a random one, Ramir is like, oh, that's so good because if we'd had to do surgery to pull it out of you, it would have taken several months for you to recover. Like, Ramir yeah. is saying, we wouldn't have killed you. We would have just had done what needed to be done and then you would have theoretically been 
you know, the Sultan. This is elective outpatient surgery he's dealing with. And he's, <laughs> yeah. and he's afraid, he, he reads it as, no, you're going to kill me, even though they clearly do not say that they're ever going to kill him. No. Well, he's an, he's an important political tool, regardless. So right. They probably wouldn't kill him. They're not going to kill him. Yeah, my, Michael's, Michael's destiny in this, as long as no one fucks it up too much, is that he'll just be a puppet leader and Ramir and all of his military guys will just actually call the shots. But then Michael gets like free Sega channel, you know? <laughs> right. He gets all the Sega tapes he wants. <laughs> like the worst deal no it's no, pretty good for him you know <laughs> they don't end up cutting open his brain and giving him on, brain damage or on whatever. the operating table he before they anesthetize him he's like nope yeah. hold on just remembered where it's at let me out a here, masterful God. play a, a ma- masterful play <laughs> a ma- masterful move all these adults go i guess he just suddenly remembered it's not at all because we had the buzzsaw powering up <laughs> the best part is that uh general uh ramir is like Keep him in the outfit. Keep him in the paper outfit, though. Just in case. <laughs> Make his butt sit in the wind. Yeah. <laughs> and then he just points at the farthest away destination on the map. And he's like, yep, it's there. That's where it is. Like, oh, okay. yeah, just remember, it's behind a wall. <laughs> and he even, like, I love he says he says it's there. Then he's like, he bought it. And then he's like, and it's behind a stone wall. And he's like, perfect lie, Michael. He, like, <laughs> he, pra- he praises the shit out of himself when he makes that perfect lie. He's like, what an incredible liar you are, Michael. I'm thrown by all of this in that because because the memory chip is not real technology, right? We don't, we right. don't yet have that. Right. The, there's just, I kept expecting there to be, like, a natural kind of understanding of, like, well, you're 12. Uh-huh. You didn't know there was a chip in your brain. So we're going to have to teach you how to interface Dude. It. You know, like. Not like a training montage, but something. Yeah, I mean, Ramir is pretty understanding in the beginning of it, being like, <laughs> like, like, yo, you just learned about all this. Take a night to rest, kid. You know, like, you, <laughs> like nobody in this world has been like really pushy towards Michael. They've kind of been like being like, all right, buddy, come on, let's figure this out. You know, like they're just trying to get this inf- help, help him get this information out. It's sort of like if you were born and you're like, for as long as I have been conscious, I've known. That Seattle is the capital of Washington. Uh-huh. <laughs> like, <laughs> oh, that's how it's supposed to work. You just know the detail. Yeah, you're just like, I just know in my heart that Seattle's the capital of Washington. Right. No one can tell me otherwise. Right. It's like, no one's arguing that Seattle's Lo- Yeah, the- <laughs> logically, Michael, the way they think this is supposed to work, or Michael thinks it's supposed to work, I guess, even before he knew about any of this, he would just have thought, if he had been like, I have visions sometimes as a child of a mummy in a cave somewhere. Right. I don't know what it means. Right. Or like, oh my God, here you go. Freaking nightmares about a mummy in a cave <gasps> that he's always known his entire yeah! life. And he has the nightmare when he goes to sleep on the plane. And then all the other times he falls asleep, he keeps having the recurring nightmare. And perfect. maybe he's wow. perfect. Paul, you're just like itching for another dream ballet, huh? I want some dream ballet. <laughs> Give them to me. They're super money. Now that I know what that is, I want it. Uh, in Cyberpunk, it's called Brain Dances, I think. Brain Dances. Oh, yeah. BDs. BDs. Goosebumps publisher Scholastic owns the uh, term Dream Ballets, so we can't use it. <laughs> <laughs> um, shit. Okay, so now they now they go on a little road trip across the desert where we see no civilization whatsoever. <laughs> we see, okay, here's my favorite part. Here's my favorite part, guys. All right, you ready for this? They're driving. And yeah. They're getting in the cars in the morning. Everybody's in their cool military clothes. It's like it's like the Street Fighter movie all over again. Uh, <laughs> Michael's got a little guile beret, a little cool yep. beret, a little cool blue beret. 
Uh, oh, Megan has the Megan does actually wear a beret. I know. In this. Oh it's cool. God. It's like Street Fighter. Uh, <laughs> so they're all getting in their cool Street Fighter clothes, and he's like, he asked General Amir, Michael asked General Amir, like, how long is it going to take us to drive there? Reasonable question. Oh, it takes a day. You can drive anywhere in this country for a day. General Amir, my man, my brother in Christ. <laughs> what a great country. What a great country. Uh, it takes you an entire day to drive anywhere. It has been 12 years. There are 365 days in a year. You can drive to any point of your country <laughs> in th- in one day and maybe just search the fucking caves in each spot of your country that is so tiny that you could drive around it willy-fucking-nilly and maybe just find the fucking mummy on your own, General Ramir. In General I... Ramir's defense, the war just ended. That's like, true. Okay, it- okay. Is it is the war recently over? Yes, it is. Yes, like incredibly recently over. So much so that like it still might not be over because there are uh, rebel yeah. factions still. The war's still going. Yeah, they're just like whoever gets the gem will control the economy and therefore power will just go to them. The the rebellion has been mostly smashed, but there are still pockets, as we will find out very soon, uh, of rebellion occurring in the country. Oh, there are pockets. There are pockets. There. Are- R- Ramirez got big plans for his company too, because he's like, I think at this point, Michael might mention he doesn't really know what Jekaziah does, mm-hmm. and he's like, well, once we get you under leadership, we're going to really put this place on the map. I'm like, do you, do you guys not have an export? Like, do you guys <laughs> do you have an arts and culture? Like, tell me more They're about. They're pretty this place. much one hundred percent desert <laughs> and one cool sapphire. We we make brain chips and everything is based on the sapphire <laughs> we standard. Brain chips. All we do is. Make I mean, if if they can make brain chips, then this would be like you know a technological superpower in the nineties. <laughs> right, right. This is like a fucking Wakanda in the you know like we can make Manchurian <laughs> candidates and that's it. Oh my god, it's like Wakanda where they hid themselves from the rest of the world because the technology was too great. That's what I'm saying. They had some good shit going on there. They could have just started exporting that. <laughs> what the fuck, guys? Ugh. Yeah, so they drive out to the cave that he talked about. The whole way he's driving, he's like, one day to live. I thought I have only one day to live. Again, Michael, it's an outpatient surgery. They're going to give you some pain meds. And you're going to be bedridden for a couple weeks. And you'll be good. Yeah, you get free you get free slushies probably and shakes. Like they're gonna have a great time. Just let them do it. Just do it. Man, when you've got like generalized anxiety disorder, like every day you're like got one day to live. (laughs) (laughs) It's great. It's great because the night before they set out, Megan shows up to be like, yo, you told my dad that there's a place. Did you lie to him? And Michael's having his anxiety, his gad is is flaring up and he's like, Oh fuck, do I tell her? Do I tell her? And he fucking (laughs) he lies to her and tells her that he that he didn't lie. Uh, and then the next day while they're driving out, he's like, oh, fuck, Megan is totally going to know that I lied. Oh, shit. Oh, fucking shit. And he's like, Megan, I got to tell you something. She's like, shut up. No, Megan acts like she doesn't know him on yeah. the ride. Right. Yeah. Right. She's acted very removed and very uh, aloof throughout this ride. They show up uh, to the cave uh, and a fucking gunfight begins. And I, yeah. believe, <laughs> I believe this is our first Goosebumps uh, gun shootout, right? It it's cool. It's co- well, it's it's kind of <laughs> sad. It it's cool that like you know, oh shit, it's actual it's actual like child yeah. endangerment with like guns and shit. But it's also like, oh, this is like the end of a rebellion against like a dystopian monarchist regime, right? Right. <laughs> oh yeah, I'm Team Rebels this entire book. 
Yeah. Well, I don't well, know. Well, until rebels, the very end. Until the very end, yeah. Re- the rebels aren't really fighting for anything. They're kind of fighting for, like, fuck you, I guess. We don't really know what they're doing. The rebels from... are cartoony video game NPCs that are just, they dress in all black. They, yep. they, right. they fire from atop a hill. Uh, they run easily. Like, they just, <laughs> they're... They're just generic bad guys. Which, I mean, unless this is like night camo, like black is not a good look for the fucking no. desert. <laughs> no. I thought about that. No, no. it is yeah. not. They have a shootout. It's hilarious because even General Ramir throws his ebony cane to the side and grabs a rifle and starts firing. He's like, get to the rock. He grabs a yeah. fucking AK and he's like, Eulalia, and he starts opening fire. <laughs> It's fucking if sick. He had just charged him with an axe full of badger warrior. <laughs> It's fucking, it's sick. Michael's it's like, like hiding behind a rock. Uh, it, there's like a, yeah, this is life and death. Actual war is, is happening. And and so as the actual war is happening, people are getting shot. He talks about hearing people get hit. We And we we do learn that people have gotten hit. Uh, he talks about, he's like, well, now's my time to flee. And he says quietly, bye everyone. And runs off as they're firing. What about the part, what about where, what about where Michael steps over a dead soldier's body and as the soldier's dying, he's like, my prince, I would have. I would have gone with you to the end, and then he watches his life drain from his eyes. I would have called. I would have called you my captain. My I would have called my you my, my, my prince. His, Bor- his Boromir moment. That was a. That was a. <laughs> oh, that was a. Uh, I wasn't even expecting that. In the, this is definitely written by RL. Only he would go that dark. Yeah, <laughs> um, it's beautiful. And uh, then he sings a song uh, lamenting the the death of the the warrior and. Uh, mm. And then uh, somebody notices that he's walking out into the desert, and he's like, hey, get back here. And he's like, okay. <laughs> <laughs> he doesn't even, like, go, he doesn't even try to get a car and leave or, like, head back. He just went into the wilds of the desert. Every time he fails, he's just like, okay, I give up. <laughs> <laughs> and then uh, there's a there's an interesting exchange between Megan and General Ramir. I almost, like, when General Ramir picked up the the assault rifle and started firing back. I was like, I think I like this guy. I was in, yeah. yeah. It was a shithead, like, monarchist dictator piece of shit, but at least he picked up a gun and started firing, you know? Who knows? Who knows? Maybe they were, maybe these are, like, January 6th guys that are rebelling, you know what I mean? Like, maybe they're trying... <laughs> oh, my God. <laughs> it's, a, it's a democratic monarchy, and they wanted to recount the votes. Is yeah. What yeah. yeah. Who knows? Maybe this uh, 12-year-old king would be a good influence on the <laughs> <Yeah>. country. <laughs> Uh, you're saying Ramir, Ramir, I think solid military adopted dad is like, Megan, what did we do wrong? And she's like, I hid under the truck. He's like, yeah, if a truck hits my bull, it's going to blow up. Bad idea, Megan. I'm, I'm trying to train you for war. I like that and, moment. Honestly, I yeah. did like that moment. Yeah, that was nice. So. Uh, cause you, you do get, you get to see a side of General Ramir again, like you see two cool sides of General Ramir and you're like, okay, well you are, you are a piece of shit and you do ruin lives, but. Uh, you know you you fight for what you believe in and you love so you mm-hmm. know mm-hmm. Uh, and guess... his cane's probably got a sword in it we don't get to that part but his cane's probably got a sword in it yeah yeah oh definitely so he gets another like fitful night of sleep uh before they go into the cave because they have to do this cool as hell sand purification ritual yeah vaguely religious vaguely religious of that they are now unclean because they dealt with the rebels so they must all bury themselves in sand because they blood they shed blood upon the sands they have to purify themselves in it it's very like he's reading dune while he's writing yeah this is very dune like (laughs) 
I don't know the so they they kind of bury themselves in the sand uh, like up to their heads like they lay down and they yep. just sort of cover themselves with sands and he's like it was an interesting sight seeing just a bunch of heads popping out of the sand and I'm like that is a really interesting image like yeah it's a cool one you get an interesting image like this sometimes and you're like huh you can do this you're like RL you should be a writer. <laughs> <laughs> And then Michael goes to bed with no mention of the fact that he would just be so itchy with sand everywhere. That sand, that sand's not coming off. I like the note that he he like really likes the feel of the sand. Like he, right. he's like I like it. It's warm. He's, he's and- back home. He he's come home. <laughs> what if when he had gone into the sand, he had a vision of the mummy again, again? What if when he had gone to the sand, he got bit by a scorpion and died? Because <laughs> I feel like that's what would actually happen. <laughs> You know what it would mean, Kevin? That the story would go in the exact same direction it pretty much went in. Yep. We would get to the same point eventually, I think. Yeah. And, you know, we, we do get our bit of uh, copyrighted RL animal fear towards the end. Uh-huh. But, uh, so he, they all go into, they all purify, they go to this bed, and then they all wake up in the morning, they go into the cave. And to Michael's surprise, there is a stone wall in the cave. And he's like, holy shit, I did know about the thing. I am memory chipped. I am the prince of (laughs) of Egypt or wherever we are. Uh And uh, they pull the wall down and holy shit, there's a fucking mummy behind the wall, dudes. Holy shit, everyone's freaking out. They're all like high-fiving. But then the mummy starts walking at him. And they're like, oh no, the mummy walks, it's bad. We established that this is bad for us. And they all run out of the cave. They all had guns. They all had guns. You know you can't shoot a mummy, though. I think you can't they- shoot a fucking mummy? Dude, that's a good way to get like a cloud of fucking scarabs and locusts in your lungs. <laughs> throw, throw a torch at him like O'Connell did in the mummy. Now, torch, now torch would do it. That problem was they were too technologically advanced. They had halogen lights. <laughs> they, were, they put all their resources into brain chips, they had, not had fire. Brain chips and halogen lights, they didn't bring real fire with them. That's their hubris that brought them down. <laughs> yeah, I did like I did like them cracking the glow sticks or whatever going into the. <laughs> yeah, but uh, yeah, uh, so turns out the mummy's Megan. Like, <laughs> yeah, it's me- in a in a in an incredible disguise. Megan appears. Megan also has like Hulk strength as well. Like the- she's a child. <laughs> they would have realized it's a child sized mummy. <laughs> No, all the mummies were like four feet tall because people were just really tiny back when in mummy. Oh, they were just and, shorter back then. Yeah, they didn't have breakfast, so like the mummy is like <laughs> the the mummy's like uh, like shriveled from dehydration too, so that's a double whammy of shortness. Ma- Megan's like surprise. Last night I snuck in here ahead of time and got past the rock wall and and made myself look like a mummy uh, just to save your skin. Uh, and as I think Ramir and his army is has ran away, but wouldn't you know it, Megan and Michael are scooped up by the rebels. Mm-hmm. Paul, did you have something to say about this? Because I have something to say about this. About the about the rebels? Oh no, about uh, about this whole mummy um, uh, monkey shine that Megan pulls off. <laughs> Uh, I don't have too much to say about this. I was kind of just just disappointed. Uh, let me see if I wrote anything <laughs> down. I, I mean. No, I didn't really have much to say. <laughs> it just kind of happened. It was pretty late in the book for a fake out, you know? Yeah. Um, yeah. I was like, okay, the real mummy's got to be coming at some point, huh? Yeah. At that point, I was like, there is no real mummy. We're right. Never gonna. Exactly. Exactly. I was just disappointed in the fact that, like, we've gone all this way in, again, yeah. this, like, sci-fi political thriller, and we haven't had a single horror scare yet. You know, like, a single, like, true fantastical horror moment. Well, the mu- the mummy does grab... Michael, uh, with with says it says like with supernatural strength around my throat, right? And it's like it's just Megan. 
<laughs> like, does Megan have, like, crazy, like, gorilla arms or something? Probably. Yeah, yeah she's been training. She's been yeah. G.I. jane in it up all the whole time. But also, Megan built the whole wall. Like, she built a whole wall of stones. Oh, oh see, I took it as, like, I think how I, I was confused with that, too, Kevin, is they call out that there's a rock wall. And again, yeah, Michael's just super lucky he called that shot. That one person could squeeze through the rock wall but the general was like, no, take it down. I want all men going through at the same time. So I, I read that as like, oh, Megan was able to slip through last night without moving the rock wall. Right. And get in and get in there. Okay. So now now they're captured by rebels um, and uh, and Michael's dangled over a snake pit. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, like, like literally all we get from all we get from here is he gets picked up by the rebels and they're like, yeah, you got the brain chip, don't you, kid? And then he's like, I don't the fucking brain chip doesn't do anything. Nobody knows how this thing works. Uh, they're trying. They're going to try and pull it out of his brain. I don't know what they're going to do with it then. And then here they do another elective surgery. They tell him they're going to do. Uh, he, he, he put with less tech. He actually should have done the first surgery. Yeah. They want to use an x-ray machine, I guess, to just validate that the chip is there. And then I don't know what their plan is beyond that. You know, like know where they're going before they cut into him. Like kind of smart. Well, we also, we also learned that the rebel leader is, uh, related to Ramir and Megan. He's his cousin. So he is, he calls himself cause he, they catch him and Megan and he tells Megan that he is also his cousin. Well, now we know that R.L played uh final fantasy tactics it's brother against brother out here <laughs> yes yo i was you thinking say there's some political you could say there's a political commentary here of like oh it's just families fighting with each other totally right? it's always the same power struggle. and i mean that is kind of a classic story but it did feel very final fantasy when it was like the daughter of the general i was like this is some final fantasy six shit yep. right here you know <laughs> like this felt like some so what's the name of the uh cell Celise. Celise, right yep. that's the name of the uh general that that escapes right <laughs> yeah. so it's like i'm just getting those vibes off of it without a doubt i thought that too kevin <laughs> Well, and you're like, okay, finally, now we're gonna learn about the rebels. Are they? They're probably the goodies, right? Right. But uh, no. And they're like, well, no. Well, if we got the gem, if we got the sapphire. Finally, my uncle, my my brother will start listening to me. Mm-hmm. You're like, is this not even about like policy? This is about your fucking ego, bro. Is that what this is yeah. about? Oh, it was so frustrating to <laughs> to read that part. Yeah, and like, so they like scan him. And they're like, nope, nothing in you, buddy. Well, you're useless. Uh, we'll go kill you in the desert now. Yep. <laughs> and they just say, like, literally say, take him to the desert and shoot him, is what they say in this book uh, for children. Yes. Wait, don't shoot him. Right, right. Then a soldier steps up and goes, wait, don't shoot him. He could be useful. And the guy goes, nah, shoot him. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> they're like, yeah, we'll throw him in the python pit. The pythons haven't been fed in a while. Figure out later this is all the rebels fucking with him, so they'll make absolutely sure that he doesn't know where the mummy is. Which very much felt to me like RL wrote this incredibly dark chapter, and then the editors were like, yo, you cannot have them be threatening to kill this kid and then throw him in a snake pit. You can't do it. You gotta have said it was all a joke, that it never would have happened, because that is totally what that <laughs> it's moment... It's just a big Jekazian prank. <laughs> the reason that they don't want to kill him with the gun, first off, is oh, well, he's American, oh and we don't want piss off the united states because we're gonna want to ally with them after we get the oh, gem not not only that but they can trace the bullets but then, then, yeah then then he's like nah fuck the america americans i don't give a shit and he's like okay well they can trace bullets and he's like oh you're right you're right throw them in the snake <laughs> fuck they do have that csi stuff going on yeah they'll trace this random bullet shot into a child in the desert to us the rebel group can't trace a snake motherfucker snakes untrackable <laughs> yeah yeah nature did it so throw them in our python pit and the python are like cartoonishly all looking up with big 
big hungry mouths just yep. ready to snap him like a piranha plant. And that's pretty much where it ends when Megan runs up and says, hold on, I have an idea. Cut to, we're back on the <laughs> oh plane, God. headed back to oh America. Yep. Oh my God. Um. Okay, so they get on the plane, they get back to America. He calls his parents. They're like, who are you again? And he's like, I'm your son. He's like, oh, all right. Yeah, come back home. Oh shit, you're back. Whoa, what's up, dude? Whoa. Wait, wait, but hold on. You guys are skipping over like, what was Megan's pitch? What was Megan's pitch? Oh, I mean, it was like so dumb. I could barely remember. It was essentially <laughs> just like, we're, we're so scared. We won't tell anybody. And also get me out of here. It'll make my uncle, my adopted dad, so distraught. Yeah. So buy us a first class plane ticket to America. And they're like, deal. My dad will totally lose the will to fight if I am not around is basically what she says. It's insane. It's and that that's the that's the plan, but well we we learn that actually that is not the plan. We've all been hoodwinked. So he gets home, he explains it to his parents, whose parents are like they're like, "Oh shit. Yeah, yo no, we're totally like we're totally in on this. They, like, that's all true. Like you, it's a good thing you got back, kid. Uh we sent you over there hoping things would just work themselves out." Is, is what we, we took out the we also yeah, we took out the chip yeah. when you were a baby. Mhm. We've had the chip this whole time. Right. We sent you to death hoping that they would just mulligan you and do exactly this yep. we were like hope it works out that's why we were so sad when we were giving you over like i don't know if we're sending you to your death but you'll forgive us right and he's like i don't even really know what's going on so i'm not going <laughs> to process this right but now. if they're working for the crown why aren't they sending the chip back well they're paid mercenaries right that's the thing i was confused by because it struck me at first as they were people from the country who were given the the kid to flee right yeah they are. But I think Kevin's right. I think they're outside mercenaries. I don't believe that they are members of Je- uh, Jekaziah. Either they're loyal Jekaziahs and they knew that General Ramir was uh, a treasonous, power-hungry piece right. of shit. Right, yep. Mm-hmm. So they held on to the Sapphire as Michael's birthright. Right. Or they're total mercenaries and they just traded their adopted son for a chance at like uh, a country's worth of Sapphire money. <laughs> Right. They they seem to do neither of these plans though, because when Michael back they're like, hot dog, we'll get some ice cream cake and welcome back. Also, hello, new daughter. Great. Uh hot dog. Anyway, we're gonna keep the memory chip in some Tupperware down in the basement. Let's just go back to living our lives. Like what what they have no plan. Everybody's kind of winging it, it feels like in this book. <laughs> Nobody really has a really strong plan. It's all everybody invested all of their hopes and dreams into chips, into microchips, yeah. and hoped that they would solve all of their problems. Also, we smuggled the mummy down when you were at Baybay. Uh, we got it all the way here to America. It's just been in the basement. You've never noticed yep. it. It's behind all like the Monopoly and uh, <laughs> and board games and shit. All the rainy day stuff. Uh, <laughs> yeah, they go. To, they go downstairs. They open it up. There be the mummy, and they show fucking Megan. They show fucking Megan. Megan, who who goes hee hee and rubs her hands together after seeing the mummy. <laughs> <laughs> And then they go to sleep. They all have a deep and dreamless sleep where we could have seen this freaking mummy come to life again and had another scare. But we don't get it. He wakes up in the morning only to find out that Megan has disappeared. She has run off and she has left him a note. She leaves him this note. Dear Michael, you're so fucking dumb. You stupid, (laughs) stupid kid. Why would you? What? We've known each other for like five minutes. You know who I hang out with. What? All right. Well, I took all your stuff. Enjoy being home with your family. But you're, you know, maybe like apply yourself a little bit, dude. Bye. Also, P.S. The mummy walks. 
And that's that is the note that is left inside of the mummy, uh, the mummy case uh, where the mummy and jewel used to be. It just says the mummy walks again. That's it. Like the title. So wait, like the so she took the mummy. She took it all. Yep. She took the whole shebang. This twelve-year-old secret agent girl. Mm-hmm. Unless we're gonna find out that she's secretly like thirty, just short. <laughs> she she threw the mummy's corpse in like a, a red wagon and the giant ju- chaos sapphire. Yep. yep. And just like left and started walking down the suburb, I guess to get a plane back to Jekazaya. Yep. yep. It was all part of General Ramirez's plan. Thanks to this child soldier that he brainwashed into being a Jekazayan black operative. It's insane. It's truly incredible. It's an incredible book. Can't say I like this one as a as like a horror book in any way, but it was a, a real wild ride. Uh, at least guns were fired off in it, so I'm okay with it. Uh, thumbs up to guns. It's less a horror book and more a borderline racist uh, vacation anxiety explainer. <laughs> Call it like they want to cut open my brain or like or like the cursed the cursed sapphire. I don't know. But like the mummy thing is just a non-starter. Right. The haunted gem, the gem that kills your family. I don't know. Whatever. (laughs) (laughs) There there is stuff that I really like about this. Like I do like the memory chip thing, but like I wanted RL to like have a whole thing about, oh, yeah. In this timeline, memory chips exist instead of Game Boys or something. Like right, if right, no, <laughs> Kevin, an totally. Universe. Like when they were getting on the plane, they should have been like, "Don't worry, we'll know when you land because your memory chip will feed it to it. Will feed us the information. Just like make the memory chips be like a thing that do things. Yeah, you know, so that we can like kind of like buy into this whole memory chip idea. The memory chip idea is cool. The memory chip could have been like, oh, we thought for sure that as the as a baby, your your parents whispered the location of the gem to you, and you. And you must remember, or so, but like the, but then they'd have to call it like the baby's whisper. Baby's whisper is my favorite brand of toilet wipes. Ooh. Which, by the way, you shouldn't ever buy toilet wipes. They're bad for the babies. No, do not. They're bad for your toilet. They're bad for the environment. I think yeah. if this was called the baby's whisper, I don't know that any scholastic uh, festival would have would have been able to stay uh, up on the ground. It would have been burnt down with all the people going after it. The baby's whisper. If it, if it had the, the same like, whisper. if it had the same cover, like the same mummy bursting out, but it's called the baby's whisper. <laughs> the baby's- <laughs> I'm usually I I had a blast with this. I book. actually had a lot of fun with this book. Yeah, I'm I'm frustrated that. You know, usually we're like, well, the cover is not really what happens in the book. Like Tim Jacobus drew something that's not there. This is like it, it. This could be a lawsuit for false advertising. I feel like if we wanted to do a class action lawsuit against Scholastic now for like you sold us a book, right? That we all definitely legally purchased for this episode. Mm-hmm. The the whole plot is spoiled in like two sentences on the back. Like they're so eager to give you the brain chip pitch that like they kind of spoil everything <laughs> that like happens in the book on the back of the. On the back, so it's like it's a brain chip. It's just like a random. I just kept picturing like a Pentium Intel processor just kind of like jammed in there, uh-huh. just right in the cortex, uh-huh. <laughs> just like sticking out like a triangle. If it's sticking out, they can't really cram it in all the way. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Oh, I've never really been able to taste yellow. That's weird. <laughs> it's a weird, wild book, guys. Uh, I I can't say it was a good one. I could say that I was just excited by some of the ridiculous things that happened in it. At least it wasn't boring, as all said. No, no, it was it was pretty fun. Certainly not. I put boring. this up in the upper echelon just for being such a 
such a nuts nuts okay yeah i also blew through this one like usually like i'm like also checking twitter every couple of pages to <laughs> to sort of like cool my brain down for a sec yo he was rocking some like two and three page chapters in this mm-hmm. one and it kicked ass it just flew yeah like the machine guns fired upon michael's position <laughs> in the rv uh these chapters came fast and fast and hot they were they were flying flying by <laughs> <laughs> like some bullets. I think that's an episode of Goosebuds. That sounds like an episode of Goosebuds, yeah. I think so. Chad, I, I have a problem. I know it's the end of the podcast, but I have a problem and I want to talk to oh. you about it. Oh, boy. Yeah, let's talk about your problem. Um, my torso is really cold. Uh, yeah, it's a, the winter months are coming. You need you need, you need need to hire armor for your, yeah, for your you torso. Yeah, you know, I, I think I've been a little cold too. And like every surface in my house could use stickers on it i feel like there's just yeah. like it's boring boring plain walls uh my technology looks boring and normal and i would like to have some silly stickers on it and i'm and my cold body i'm just staring at the shivering and looking at these things in my house what can i do I think you could i think you could also the nice thing about it is you could probably go to goosebuds.store and check out all of our cool merchandise oh, we tricked you listener we didn't really have problems we just wanted you to buy something <laughs> You know, I'd say it this way. Really, if you want to vary it up, cover your torso in stickers and then put shirts over your windows. <laughs> Do whatever you yeah. need. But you can go to goosebuds.store. We are actually running, uh, as of this recording uh, and this release, we are running a holiday called a cyber sale if you want. We're calling an early Slinksmith sale. I just made up that name for it. We've never done this before. 20% off everything in the store. Uh, check it out. We're also going to be putting some new stuff up very soon. Uh, yeah, good good way to to treat a loved one or yourself this holiday to uh, Goosebuds sixty four or uh, Skelly Boy or us as professional wrestlers. There's there's a bunch of really cool stuff on that Goosebuds store. Here's what I'll say to you, listener. You're thinking, oh, well, maybe I want this for me, but do I want to get this? as a gift for somebody who doesn't listen to Goosebuds, get them the shirt anyway with a reference they don't understand on it. And then <laughs> and then they'll forever associate it with you. They'll mm. be like, this is, oh, this is my Kyle shirt. I'm assuming your name's Kyle. Well, statistically, it might happen. <laughs> <laughs> or just give, yeah, give them something that's related to, to Goosebuds and then just be like, don't worry, you'll understand in time. You'll understand in time. Give them a mystery. I'm going to say, if you're cold and your body needs covering, you're born the monarch of your country that is your body, and you're allowed to buy something to put it on there and be warm at any time. That's that's fucking deep, dude. I, I bet Emperor Puckra would have loved to have been wrapped up in a nice goosebutt hoodie. <laughs> yeah, mummy, mummy yourself in our merchandise, please. <laughs> Uh, yeah, please check that out. Uh, and also let us know, yeah, what, uh, if you get anything, uh, send us some pictures. Uh, we love seeing you guys wearing them out in real meat space. You can follow us on social media. Uh, we are still on Twitter for at the time being at Goosebuds Pod. Uh, you can find all information on the podcast at GoosebudsPod.com. Yeah. And if you're looking for another podcast to listen to, Pretend Friends just started up again. Yeah, baby. It's yeah. back. Yeah. We've got we've got three episodes live right now, zero, one, and two of a new season, uh, and uh, it's a lot of fun. It's a it's a tabletop actual play podcast where we play Space Kings, a game that I made with my friends, and uh, and I uh, hope you I hope you like it. And this season you're playing it with some with those friends, so you get to hear the original crew playing the yeah. original game as it was intended. The founding fathers of Space Kings. It's true. 
uh so we've got we've got a, a really good crew and I, we just recorded yesterday and um there's gonna be some surprising depth to like our funny like Starman, man vampire teenager uh group <laughs> so get ready for some feelings that's all i'm gonna say <laughs> yeah this is a real doom patrol yeah. y'all have put together on this gang yeah yeah we're we're monster cereal you know <laughs> uh yeah check out pretend friends uh of course check out continue show some great new episodes yeah, i loved check it out. all you guys played hexen i've always wanted oh to yeah the hexen uh, episode was really good it, it's a great game uh we got some more weirdo games coming up you'll see check it out uh subscribe please yeah all right guys well i'm gonna go um poke around in my brain for any lost secrets maybe find some find some memory cards up there yeah i'm gonna go activate my chip i'm gonna go eat some sweet and spicy paste on some bread <laughs> <laughs> all right until next time y'all bye see bye. You then. bye bye This show is brought to you by our Patreon supporters, and now we shall read from the Book of Names. The Book of Names. Book of Names. Stefan, Jive, Turkey, Kuwabara. Hollis, Hornbeak. Low Belly, Hate Me. Cameron, Murphy, Audio. Michael McDowell. Hey, Josh Robb. Mickey C. Nathan Dolezal. Kelly C. Mike Lanteri. Buddy Morrill. Allocade. Mel Dipson. Afshin. Danky McStanky. Dango Twists. Brian Wells. Zentacles heard a rumor that Paranoia Shop is coming back. Can't wait. I'm so sorry, Zen. So that's yours, Quicksand. Paranoia Shop is your Quicksand. <laughs> quicksand is Kevin's Quicksand. What's my Quicksand? Pants. Stealth Bates. Robert Moon. Jason Crooker. Clay Castle. Miguel Pardo. John Keeney. Calf. Third Sergio. St- God damn it. Standard <laughs> paranoia shop joke to dunk on Chad. Are you dunking on me by saying you liked a show I did? <laughs> that's, I mean, if that's if that's you getting dunked on, I think you should. Oh, stop dunking on you me, You should please. accept that. Tell you me, should love uh, that. Uh, tell me how much you watched the new uh, Star Trek show. Uh, dunk on me. How is our <laughs> entire book of names, like, it's psychically connected? It's really wild. Mm-hmm. Quentin, mm-hmm. I am in your walls. Gregory D. Warren. Alan Saylor. Cody Redfield. Bradford Coulter. Aiden Alexander Dice. Jar Jar Slinks. Chosen One. Levi Than. Up and Champ. Jonas Eggman. Carl. Anthony Mulberry. The John D. and Catherine D. MacArthur Foundation. Elusive Koala. Yanni Markovina. Brooke X. Jesus Christ. Christian Van Skiver. Drew Applegate, lowercase. <laughs> Jeremy Lowe. You say it's soft when it's lowercase. Brian yeah. Hopgood. Alicia Grafe. Zach Connor. Patreon underscore donator, yo. Joe. Spooky digital ghost. Tierney. Tom Whittem. Andrew. Sweeter than apples. Jadzik. <laughs> Lord Cornwallis. Carson Burkenby. Murphy P. Tevin Ticklebean will protect the big Jeff baby. <laughs> <laughs> Sean Minogue. Rushy Glenn. Jonas Blatterman. Wiggle it. Luke LaFountain. Chip Hansen. Matt McClellan. John Barber. Sarah Kemp. Paul Grasso. Tanya Turtle. Joe, regular name, Scott. Alex Moon, the robotic dog. 
One Jalapeno. Vincent Modica. Luke Canoodles. Keith Halcrow. Timothy Misodolakis. Clay McCarty. Hugh Bolin. Zam Bambino. Matthew Stevens. Parker Lee. Ham underscore boat. One of you guys needs to read the next name. I can't. Ah, stop. Ooh, blasting rope. Uh. I bought it. That sounds real. That, that was sounds real. real. Very realistic. That's what it sounds like. <laughs> Raymond Hernandez. Flemily. The Crow Fence, but autumnal. Matthew Sutton. Blasting rope is ejaculating, guys. That's what that was. <laughs> Jeffrey Owen Cahi. Lee Wood. Kelsey Kinneman. Nathan Remick. Need more kimchi. Russell Kastberg. Xavier Jimenez. Brendan Arafin. Chris Putricus. Scotty Pippen. Streak. <laughs> Meet Virginia. Reed Subendike. Dungeon Kappa. Joey Evans. MC Hamster. Hashtag my life. <laughs> Hashtag my wife left me for quicksand, parentheses truth. That's a complicated hashtag. Incredible name. I love that it, I love that, that found me. I love that we just did the right order this time for Paranoia Shop to find Chad and Quicksand to find yeah. me. The book yeah. is the book is on its game today, brothers. Zach Weir. Limp Duck. Stinklitch. Alan G. Jessam. Carewise, Gamgee. <sighs> Quicksand is real. Yeah. <laughs> it's not. It's fake. Send us, send us jars of quicksand if you find any to prove it. <laughs> yeah. Super Swaggy 64, Rise of the Sunshine, Yolo Squire. Cameron Hansen. A, a jar of quicksand would be a really awesome, like, magical item. Chad, I, I like that one. Oh. I like that, yeah. It's, kind of, it's, like, it's like one of those, like, Looney Tunes black portals you can just kind of throw down somewhere. Yeah. It's, yeah. yeah, portable black hole. Cool. Yeah, that's cool as hell. Tobias Clark. Generally depressing. The Deadly Bulb. Ooh. Andre Villanueva. Sorry, I was so spooked. <laughs> ben Bohan. Estimate. What the fuck? Estimate, Lord of Paul's Pants. They're getting us. Everyone's getting us. Book of, the Book of Names is on fire today. Here we go again. The sight of our rainforest tour guide boning my <laughs> wife was so, was so shocking. I didn't notice that quicksand hashtag cucksand. That's it. That's the plot of cucksand. <laughs> the entire 45-minute porn video. Um, <laughs> all the beats of it. The Davy Boy. Another pants one. Chris, return of the ghostly pajama boner Nelson. No! Ryan Stewart. Jonas Evan Voldson. Calamity Carl. Germ Juice. Kieran McNamara. Diet Soda. Nick Johnson. Jackie Ledoux. Coleman Laguza. Lamb exclamation point. Stephen Day. A pair of Scots. Levi Kidder. Ryan Carroll. David Gray. Jeremy Bowser. Bryce Deary. Matthew Brettato. Carbson. I am Cornholio. I need TP for my bun. Nailed it. Ninja Breadman. Peterberg level 69. Helodicus Frenchlin. Bony. Ha, leave him alone. <laughs> Some of Chad's <laughs> bird friends. I need more of them. Nicholas Maloney. Dr. Chocula. Burgers, Manic Pixie Autumn Boys. <laughs> Midwest Indigo 13. Aaron Lord. Eric Horwitz. Tiffany Lee. Dr. Egg Drop Soup Man. Mingus. Thomas Jensis. Lucretia McEvil. Mutant Astronaut. Henry Torbear. SSJ Trogdor. Adam Knapp. Logan Derby. Brad Schmelzer. Chick. Milk Punk. Mike Spaghetti Jones. That was clear. <laughs> uh, Jesse Hammock. Mr. Misfire. Mandy Nasty. 
Llama Lad. Skeletor and Yoplin. Philip Reynolds. Chris. Chicago Frank Returns. Nate Bit G. Danzig versus Sean Astin. The battle for Polly Shore's soul begins now. R.R. <laughs> Davis Crafts Rye Animator. Scott Wable. Dr. Mr. Unimportant has moved on to Cyberpunk 2077. It's great now. Rocco. Soggy Newspapers. Josh Hal the Zealot. Chris Kulik. Dakota Kemp. John W. Liam Rogers. Evan Bowen. 976 Evil. No, you called it. We're doomed. Kiwio Fleur. Serial Killer X. Greg Musto. Benjamin Luther. Sirison. Hi, first time, long time. <laughs> Allie Rose. Sprinkle Buns. Kevin, your escaped monkeys are watching you and your monkey shy. Ah! <laughs> I don't know if I got the. I don't. I know the movie. I don't know about Kevin's monkeys, yeah. but okay. Yeah. Yeah. Dennis Wright. Jover the Moon. Edgar's Crassus. Cameron Ganseveld. Hilda B. Vosivi. Matt Scepter. Greg Gervasi, a.k.a. Vinazen. Hi. Dakota Kipper. Oh, great. Paul's Peen kills 15. <laughs> Tonight at 11. <laughs> oh, my God. Action news. Is penis my thing? <laughs> Maybe. I don't know. Everything in the pants area. Pants are adjacent to your penis. That's true. That, I've often said that. I need to say this. Jen last night said that I was farting bare ass in my pants, which <laughs> astounded me. <laughs> was she right? I, she, yeah, no, she was 100% right, Chad. What? <laughs> I'm always bare ass in my pants. Man. Anthony Rodriguez. <laughs> Just think about that. <laughs> thinking about that there's some sort of like kramer seinfeld quote about that b it's like a zen cone ollie underscore suts this is why you stick around to the end of the name so you get like the real fucking truth of the world <laughs> kate the great <laughs> my cart jeff webb is still a big baby but we both sincerely appreciate your well wishes here's more well wishes jeff stay baby jeff Stay Alpa baby. Alpaca acquaintance. <laughs> Maybe you're oh. friends with Llama Lad. <laughs> I love that name. Taraku, the thing that goes doink in the anime. <laughs> Cassandra Harris. Gulliver. Spencer Y. The secret provider. <laughs> James Stavanos. That last name was my favorite. Key. How's it going, Chad? <laughs> Soap says, get your biannual flu shot and COVID booster. Thanks, Smart. Soap. Yep. Smart. Agreed. Did it. Big Nick Lane. Kira and Brian are big fans. Yay. Now, the fact that you put that in caps reads sarcastic to me, but I hope it's not. I just pictured them as very large, like like towering giants over us being like, hey, goosebuds. We are, we are but hobbitses to them. <laughs> Chris, migrating coconut buyers. <laughs> Goblin Grader grants Kapal's Kapants their freedom get glong glassed. <laughs> Great. Well done, Kevin. Great. Good job. I speak a little goblin. Blake, bad time having Kevin. Oh, man. I hope you I hope you have a better time this month. <laughs> Dan Antonio. Droman. Talene Jones. CM. That says for Crystal Maiden. Farah. <laughs> <laughs> Stinko the Clown. I just need to insert. People can't see what we're reading. There's a tilde there. So that was the <laughs> tilde noise that Kevin made. Yeah, that's how you pronounce the tilde. Uh -huh. <laughs> the Puerto Rican demon. Chris Curto. William. Cole Gleason. And now we have new names to add to our book of names. Like Tanner Galagos. Oh, and welcome 
Angelo Santone. Hail and well met, Matthew Pipes. Welcome, Smellities. Well, come on down, Jesse Boggs. May your days be long and your hard shits few, Michael Malloy. <laughs> Easy shits for all of us, <laughs> Witch Knight Red. <laughs> Thank you all very much. We love you. We love you. Thank you. Goodbye. Thank you. Bye-bye. Bye. Flypaper. The work of the people. Owned by the people. Supported by the people. Visit flypaper.fm.